<laughs> There's so much information available at our fingertips. We're hit with ideas, buzzwords, headlines, and theories countless times a day. This is our attempt to dive a little deeper so top complex topics become easy to understand. And our world becomes a little bit clearer. We'll tell you less. So you understand more. I'm Maggie. And I'm Mallory. And today we're talking about humanitarian aid. Oh, such a necessary topic. Yes. I've been wanting to talk about this because I took a class in graduate school about it. And it's pretty fascinating. Um, Mainly because it's such a coordinated effort um, for countries, their militaries, NGOs, other organizations to like come together and save human and animal life. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. But um, this topic is unfortunately timely today, February 11th, because on February 6th, at around 4 a.m., a 7.7 magnitude earthquake struck southern and central Turkey and northern and western Syria. And it's been one of the deadliest earthquakes of this century. Ugh. And there were at least... 1,200 aftershocks reported as of two days after the initial earthquake struck. Wow. Yeah. How terrifying. Awful. And like, there's no warning to earthquakes. No. Not that that always helps, but sometimes early detection does. Well, like in Lebanon, there's already a war-torn area. Right. And then you have, or Syria, sorry, I didn't know Lebanon, Syria, and then you've got Turkey. Yeah. So, as of last night... The death toll topped 23,000, and I'm sure, unfortunately, that number will continue to rise. So, obviously, yeah. Well, I was just like, there was this, um, I saw it on Instagram, and it was this guy whose daughter got crushed by a building, and he, like, held her hand all through the night and just stayed holding her Mm. hand because he just didn't want to let her go. And I'm like, that's, like, the human impact of that stuff that we, like, across the seas don't see, but, like, like, think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So obviously, I'm going to watch my ums. That's my goal. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to replace it with so and okay. (laughs) So obviously, natural disaster, after natural disasters, whether that is an earthquake, a hurricane, a tsunami, these forces that know no bounds, no borders, and struck usually with little to no warning, there's immediate urgency to save lives. Um, Emergency services have to find those that need medical help and care. Uh, Care systems are often overloaded quickly or maybe ill-equipped to handle uh, the needed medical services that face people in that country. you're saying the countries itself might be ill-equipped. Yes. So like a disaster strikes. That's a lot of people who need medical care. Yeah. You, those medical facilities may be damaged or outright ruined you have a lot of infrastructure that is often uh, compromised roads other buildings houses and homes Uh, food and water sources are threatened people are displaced they're lost they're stuck so it's an incredibly chaotic vulnerable time Um, and I will add how I'm going to talk about humanitarian aid is not limited to natural disasters Um, there could be conflict such as Ukraine uh, famines, droughts, economic collapse, these kind of events or slow builds potentially to uh, disaster. So this is where often a huge burden falls on that single country that's impacted. Um, and 
their the need extends beyond their capabilities as a nation. So humanitarian aid comes in when so, a country is not prepared or isn't capable of providing the needs. It's when they need help. Yeah. It's when the disaster or whatever it is is so massive that they seek support. Yeah. Um, a lot of international humanitarian aid is coordinated from the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, known as OSHA. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's OSHA? OSHA. Huh. Not, yeah. not to be confused with the O-S-H-A, OSHA. Oh, yeah. okay. It's yeah. OSHA, yeah. C-H-A. Got, okay, yes. that's why yes. I was like, OSHA. Yeah. No, not that OSHA. Like, OSHA. We care about your safety, your workplace safety. Yeah. As well as humanitarian. Yeah. Like, no. Oh. I was like, that's this a is, lot. <laughs> this is a UN office, and they're responsible for bringing together all the humanitarian acts to ensure this coherent response to emergencies. There's a framework within each actor can contribute to to support the overall effort. So they are like the organizer of humanitarian aid. Um, OCHA is not an operational agency. So they're literally, their added value is as the broker, the facilitator, the thought leader, and a global advocate. So in business terms, we would translate that to like the project or program manager. Right. Okay. Right. Now, some other humanitarian actors that you may have heard of that are active participants that OJA helps coordinate is the UNDP, the United Nations Development Program, the United Nations Refugee Agency, UNICEF, the World World Food Program, uh, the World Health Organization, and then some non-UN actors include the International Committee of the Red Cross, Doctors Without Borders, Oxfam International, International Rescue Committee, and the U.S. Agency for International Development, known as USAID or USAID. Okay. So um, USAID is the U.S.'s independent agency that supports international development and humanitarian efforts that save lives, reduce poverty, strengthen democratic governance, and help people progress beyond assistance so also that transition period after disasters got it that was started at, um with president kennedy actually oh interesting yeah 1961 and so other countries have the equivalent of usaid yes okay so like china has one uk has one etc does russia have one i'm sure they have some form yeah. of support that they offer because from a outside country you're like we get why the UN I think it's like somewhat obvious why the UN would step from a country perspective you're there it is like a good will relationship building we want to help kind of tactic it's like we have the means yeah you know it, right. we could do it for countries that are quote unquote not our friends international relations like exactly you're giving support and hopefully it buys you goodwill in the future or something yes, like that. Yes, exactly. But here's what's really powerful about this effort. Now, obvious, now obviously, it's a lot to organize, direct, and respond. Um, the, I listed a few country, or a few organizations, but there's hundreds that are part of this system and contribute to the system. Um, but when you participate as part of it, you are guided by what are known as the humanitarian principles. Yeah. And there's four of them. It's humanity, neutrality, impartiality, and independence. So by saying we're going to be part of this system, we're going to we're going to work with humanity, which means 
human suffering must be addressed wherever it is found. The purpose of humanitarian action is to protect life, health, and ensure respect for human beings. So it's to save lives and maintain dignity. There's the neutrality piece, which is that humanitarian actors can't take sides. So it is not a political, racial, religious move at all or ideological move at all. You are there to service those in need, and that's it. No matter who, what, where, when, why. Exactly. In times of conflict, whoever needs help needs help. Yeah. Impartiality, humanitarian action must be carried out on the basis of need alone, giving priority to the most urgent cases of distress and making no adverse distinction on the basis of nationality, race, gender, religious belief, class, or political action. So that one is interesting to me. Like it makes sense. Like it's logical. But the criteria by which you just determine urgency, yes. Like so the earthquakes in – in Syria and Turkey, like obviously just happened, but there's so many things that are happening across the world. Like what if I just think of like, if we have more climate events that happen like this, like how do we, like how do you prioritize? prioritize? Yeah. Yeah. So they, I would say these like humanitarian actors are not isolating only in Turkey right now like they're still very much across different countries yeah and there's different levels there is the immediate response and then there is the transition okay and like back to building stability and then other actors help play a a form in that but like because I don't know how many current like areas Ocha is in right now we could probably look that up but like just because let's say um, what's the country they're probably in right now? Afghanistan. Yeah. Right. They're probably in Afghanistan. Doesn't mean they're not going to have resource or not going to give resources to Turkey. Yeah. Right. They probably have like a, I think I'm thinking about it in like personal budgeting terminology of like, yes. they've got their monthly spend budget that they always have allocation for, but then they've got an emergency fund for emergency situations. Yes. Or something. yes. I'm assuming. I'm yes. just guessing. Yes. Yeah. And that's why also they, like there becomes big appeals for donations during. Yeah. Right okay. after emergencies. Got it. Um, and then independence um, is that humanitarian action must be autonomous from political, economic, military, or other objectives that any actor may hold with regard to areas where the humanitarian action is needed. Okay. So help saving lives in Turkey right now has nothing to do with Turkey's relationship with Ukraine. Yeah. And Russia. Okay. So these four principles are the foundation for aid, and they're widely accepted as like codes of conduct and standards mm-hmm. for these actors. Which I just think is beautiful when our world is constantly driven by like political mo- motives that we're like at these moments, at these vulnerable times, like we have to save lives. And so we're going to, it doesn't matter what the political climate is, et cetera. We're going to focus on those people. We're all human. We're all human. Yeah. Okay. So clusters. Now we're going to talk about clusters. Um clusters are how these operate how these actors operate together um so clusters are groups of humanitarian organizations both un and non-un and they're kind of each in charge of a certain aspect of humanitarian aid and they have clear responsibilities for coordination and action the 
the goal of what they call the cluster system is to strengthen overall preparedness and technical capacity to respond to humanitarian emergencies, and it gives leadership and accountability in the main areas of response. So those areas include, like, food and security. So these are the clusters, or these, these are, are the, the main, clusters. main areas? These are the, the clusters are the main areas. Okay. Yeah. So with each cluster, there's, like, one head, one leadership, and then all these other actors, USAID, Oxfam, contribute to certain clusters. It's your way of saying, like, hey, here's how I'm going to help this situation. Mm-hmm. But it gives some sort of structure yeah. so that disaster strikes and you just don't have chaos right. of people with good intentions trying to help, but there's not, like, they're all doing it in siloed and not to the full potential because they're not working with each other. It's like when you have a holiday and you're trying to make a meal and everybody's just doing their own thing and it's not coordinated around yes. dishes. Yes. <laughs> Simplify for my said, Everybody bring food and everybody brings a bag of chips yeah. when you need drinks and... When you need everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. So those clusters are camp and coordinated management. That is in regards to displaced populations. So when families, people lose their home... These provide shelter for them, um, and it, like, helps to organize who are all in these shelters, tries to account for people, and it also helps to deliver information to those affected by the emergency. Yeah. So that's camp and coordinated management. There's something known as early recovery, and that are efforts to maintain and establish standards and policy and build response capacity so the early recovery is kind of like the bringing in they're the recruiter they're bringing in actors to help Mm. there's an education cluster um it's pretty obvious it's to ensure there's equitable provisions of education for populations affected by it so uh these families i think it's education in the sense of what do they need to know to learn and survive oh okay yeah. I was like, like continuing education. Once I think the like, the oftentimes displaced people are there for a very long time. Right. So, I mean, we have people, the idea of like camps and shelters, they're supposed to be temporary. Right. But sometimes they're not. So there is like a need for education, school for education. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's emergency telecommunications. So this is to ensure connectivity amongst the response community yeah a lot of times you don't have your internet your service like all those are compromised so this is a cluster that comes in to say like okay we've got to build that infrastructure this one is the most I feel like this one's so interesting because you don't think about it like we we pull out our iPhone and we're like let's just google like how to get to the doctor or something like that but if there's no internet there's no cell phone like yeah it's kind of like Okay, so I grew up in the time before iPhones and before the smartphone. So it's like you kind of wonder with kids that haven't ever been in that situation, how would they, how how do people respond? Right. It's really fascinating. How do you know where to go? Yeah. How do you know what to do? Right. Yeah. There's food security. So this addresses kind of food availability, access, and utilization. So... With food security, what's interesting, it's not about just, like, donating food and dropping a bunch of, like, 
mac and cheese boxes around communities that need it. I would like that. I mean, I would like it. But if they can't read the instructions, if they don't have the milk that you need to put into it, it's useless. Yeah. So it's ensuring the food that is like identifying what are the needs and then how to give it to them, how to like deliver it to them in a way that they can use it. Hmm. And there's, you want to build in these times of emergencies, you want to build like independence you still want to protect that human dignity, yeah. that sense of being able to do for yourself. Yeah. So, you know, there is the health aspect, which is the next cluster I'm going to talk about, of like, make sure everybody's okay. But there's also these people whose lives have just been turned upside down. Maybe they're not, they don't have a huge medical emergency, but they do have a economic emergency, an independence emergency. Like, how are you maintaining that sense of self? Yeah. Um, the health cluster obviously is a massive cluster. Um, and it's about, it's the, it's about the saving lives, right? It's the medical care that's needed. I would think too, at some capacity, it's like, just like communication infrastructure might fail. Like the sanitary conditions might fail and like protecting and giving people clean water and making sure they've got yeah stuff to take care of themselves. That's a huge part of health. I would assume too. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's a logistics cluster, which is obviously about information man- management and about moving things. So it's like, how are you, um, how are you moving medical care from place A to place B? How are you communicating amongst here to here? Mm-hmm. You've got separated families, et cetera. You've got to move people locations. How are you doing that? You've got a lot of different people. In the case of Turkey and Syria, you may need to cross borders. What does that look like? You don't know kind of the political uh, standing between countries. So it gets very tricky. Um, But so it's the logistical as far as like the moving of materials, but logistical as far as information too. Oh, cool. Um, Nutrition, which is different than food security, which I think is really interesting. Um, And this is about forecasting trends um, and how to prepare for, respond to, or recover from shocks. And so I think, and it's about preventing malnutrition. So I think it's about looking at nutritional needs rather than food security. Yes, it's about getting food they need to use and how to use it. But nutrition's looking at, my interpretation at least, is like more Mm long-term, you know, like, okay, well, they source rice from here. How are we getting that? Or how, you know, fresh fruit is obviously scarce right now. How are we ensuring that they're getting balanced needs over a long period of time? Yeah. Okay. We have three more. Protection. Um, this is ensuring that those affected have their rights fully respected. So um, that could look very different. It could look for about child protection. So, you know, if um, a child is, has lost their parents, um, yeah, I know. I'm Sad. giving a pouty face because it makes me sad thinking yeah. about that. It could be gender-based violence. It could be um, other rules and norms just ensuring those are adhered to in the safety of the camp or otherwise. Yeah. So it's ensuring order mm-hmm. and protection. Um, there's a shelter cluster, which makes sure that people have 
um, or maintain the right to live in safe, dignified, and appropriate shelter. You're not out on your own. Um, there's going to be things there that you have access to. And then what's known as the wash, which is water sanitation and hygiene. Oh, so yeah. maybe where I was talking about it wasn't right, but okay. Yeah. So it's like within these camps or wherever, do they have clean water? Yeah. Um, and are they, you know, how is sanitation being kept up? It's to not, obviously if you, if you are in a disaster ridden place, what's going, there are diseases, diseases, waterborne diseases, et cetera, when you don't have that infrastructure anymore that can grow and spread easily. So how are you ensuring sanitation yeah. in these makeshift yeah. solutions? So those are all the clusters. Wow. Right? They thought about a lot of things. A lot of things. And each of those categories has dozens and dozens of members and contributors to them. That's awesome. Yeah. So another very important factor to note is that these actors don't act unless the host country invites them to. So Turkey suffers the earthquake. They have to say, yes, we need help. We invite you into our borders Mm -hmm. to help us and to act. Um, Now, in some cases, there might be safety or security issues or because the host country is already well equipped enough. Um, they might not want emergency services from international actors after disaster or conflict. An example of this would be after 9-11, the U.S. did not open its borders for international help. Oh, interesting. I was going to ask if there was an example of that. That's yeah, a good one. Right? And after Hurricane Katrina, we did open a little bit of support, but because FEMA, which is our domestic crisis response, yeah, um, is well establish and well fit to support they really took the lead and it wasn't a a huge international effort got it yeah. I was gonna see if you're gonna say well managed FEMA but <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave I'm, that off the table I'm not going to make any <laughs> I refuse to comment okay um now another important thing to note there can be actors that don't work within the cluster system your rogue actors For whatever reason, I personally believe these are not as effective um, because they sometimes don't have access to the shared information, um, which includes knowing accessing the true needs on the ground. Um, I think there's power in numbers. So if you operate rogue, um, you're operating outside this kind of built-in yeah force to can i can i chime in yeah to provide a contrarian perspective to that i could see like i work in a massive company hundred thousand employees versus a startup right like the ability to be agile move quickly versus moving a behemoth organization yes oh we got a dog (laughs) yes i'm sure yes that's why i'm saying like less often less effective there could be the right use for that um absolutely I think when it comes to me and you on a day-to-day basis who do you want to give money to or who do you want to give support to at times of crisis in order to help that country in need I recommend you help the the system at the bigger system okay that's great advice yeah and so um with that um I wanted to call out certain 
organizations. Yay. I'm so glad that you did this because yeah. I was like, I would like to donate. I just don't know who and the right ones are. So this right. is perfect. Yes. Okay. So donating material goods like water and clothes and canned foods, like yes, can be helpful, but monetary contributions are best in emergencies. Cash is king. This is because needs change constantly. So by the time you, Maggie, donate your canned goods and then they are brought to wherever they need to go, there might be a different need or there might be um, something else more urgently needed. Yeah. So it's better in general to give cash in situations like this. That makes sense. Yeah. So I would recommend donating to any of the UN organizations or the humanitarian actors I mentioned earlier. Okay. Like I said, a lot of the... UN leads it, so they're going to know the most and help to distribute the money where necessary. Um, Also, a lot of the UN's organizations, like the World Food Program, they're leading the cluster systems. Yeah. So I recommend those. If you don't want to donate to the UN for whatever reason, there is the Turkish Red Crescent, which um, I'm going to say is like, I'm going to spell how... It's spelled in Turkey, T-U-R-K-K-I-Z-I-L-A-Y. Um, they're on the ground. They are kind of like the Red Cross version of Turkey. Okay. You can give directly to them. I'll add all these links in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the International Rescue Committee yeah. is actually doubling donations for their response through March. Oh, nice. So if you want to have double the impact, go there. There is the Syrian American Medical Society that's giving medical aid in Syria. Okay. Recommend them. And then there is AFAD, which is the Emergency Response Department for Turkey. Um, It's their version of USAID. Oh, got it. So you give to USAID or you go straight to Turkey. Turkey. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some organizations. I love it. Yes. It's a fascinating system. Relief Web is kind of their um, hub of information. Like if you want straight to the fact information about what's happening on the ground and in cluster reports, go to reliefweb.int. We'll link that too. We'll link that too. Um, But it's pretty fascinating. It's like incredible. Once you like are aware of this, you start to notice in the news or like reports that you're reading, like how much it takes, like how much goes into these responses. Right. It just yeah. seems like a lot of coordination. A ton. And it's super impressive to think that you're coordinating across different countries and emergency and like the yes. systems that they've put together. Yes. So cool. And I'm such an idealist that I'm like the principles I just think are beautiful. Yeah. Like just like it's human first. Yeah. And that's it. Like The four principles is really cool because it's like... This is our guiding principles. If you can't buy yeah. into it, then you're not part of the system. Yeah. It just comes down to humanity. And if you're not there to help, like, don't, then don't act. You like, this is not an opportunistic, like. Yeah. Don't take advantage of people in a terrible situation. Exactly. Yeah. So. Cool. I love it. Yeah. That's international humanitarian aid. Awesome. Not the funnest, funniest topic, but. Helpful. Extremely important. Important and helpful. Yeah. Um, And then another, I guess fact as I was reaching researching all this I started to notice how different turkey is spelled oh yeah 
And I was like, why is that? Like, when did this happen? What is it pronounced differently? It's not pronounced differently. Okay. The way we know turkey to be spelled T-U-R-K-E-Y is like the kind of the white person, <laughs> the westernized version of their spelling of turkey. Uh. So when turkey, turkey got its independence, like way back when, they've always spelled it like that. Wait, the new version, the new, new way, version. Okay. the quote unquote new way is the original way. So they launched a kind of rebranding effort and asked countries, asked the UN to start spelling Turkey their preferred way, which, oh, oh, oh. how many times can you say Turkey, but which is spelled T-U-R-K-I-Y-E. I love that. Yeah. So when did they start going by turkey the way that we spelled it so nine um went so they um they've referred to turkey in like within the country as t-u-r-k-i-y-e since the 1920s i'm trying but to they think never asked when for it until recently yeah they didn't um i'm trying i don't know when like Europe and uh, and North America and all that started to adopt the T U R K E Y. I do feel version. like honestly. So our company sent out an email about Turkey and what we're doing for donations um, in Syria as well. But Turkey and the spelling was different, and I that's the first time I've seen it spelt like that. And I was like, okay, something's changed. But it's really cool that they're like taking back their national identity. That's yes. awesome. And this started in like 2021. Okay. The like Turkey government made that request and then our department I think it was Department of State was like yes and the turkey also granted like hey if when and if it's easier to spell it the way you're used to like that's fine but we ask that when you can you spell it our preferred way so like I don't think we're going to reprint all of our maps that are out in the you know oh yeah I see what you're saying because I was like Okay, like, yeah. I, I appreciate I appreciate that grace turkey, but it's also not that hard to correct a spelling. Right, right. <laughs> right. It's like basically like you don't need, we're not asking you to like change everything at this moment, but yeah. like moving forward. And our State Department was like, okay, yeah. Good job, State Department. Right. All right. That's that awesome. Is, yeah. <laughs> is like, it my turn like, to end? You're blue. I can't, I never remember this. <laughs> okay. Thank you for joining us as we try to learn more about this world. You can find all of our resources linked in the show notes. We are not experts, but we try to learn from them. If you have a topic you'd like to know more about, let us know on Instagram at Tell Me Less Podcast. Until next time. Later. Donate if you can. Yeah. If you're in a position to help. <laughs>